Welcome to the Oracle. Join me, Miriam Ropschitz, for wild feminine wisdom channeled from the deep. The Oracle brings you podcasts about womb wisdom, sacred sexuality, and the women's mysteries. May these conversations with my coven enrich, inspire, and ignite your relationship to the sacred feminine. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Oracle podcast. This is Miriam, your host, and this is exciting. I've been meaning to start a podcast for literally years <laughs> and I'm finally doing it. So many of the women in my community, my clients have asked me to start a bloody podcast If you know me at all, you know I'm a little bit of a ranter. I have many uh, subjects I enjoy waxing lyrical on. And now you can listen to me rant from the comfort of your uh, nearest podcast provider. So this is a lot more accessible. When I envisioned creating a podcast, I always thought that the first episode would be with one of my sisters... And here it is, it's just me. And this is because I really wanted to speak about the dark feminine. It's dark feminine season, my signature underworld journey online course, Dark Feminine Medicine is coming up. We start with the winter solstice on December 21st. And this is the second year that I'm running this course. And I'm going to continue to run it every year, probably, you never know, but (laughs) I intend to. And when it comes around to this time of year, there is this electricity around the dark feminine. Even just saying dark feminine, I know many of you will be feeling the vibration, the frequency, the stirring that these two words together create. There's something magnetic about her, about the dark feminine. And especially to women, she really calls us down into the depths. And some of us don't know why at all. We just know we're feeling called. And I've really experienced this this year, especially in sharing my course There are so many women in the course this year and we're still, you know, almost a month away from starting. Um, Just so many women felt the call, felt the stirring that she elicits. So I want to, in this podcast, speak about her because there are a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings around the dark feminine that I believe are, mm, you know, restricting her medicine going where it can go and where it at this time on earth where it needs to go she is a vital force for women for all beings for the earth so we're going to get into that in episode one of the oracle podcast called medicine of the dark feminine i really hope you enjoy this loves if you have questions about it feel welcome to reach out to me and yeah get a hot drink brew up some herbs or whatever you like to drink get comfy we're gonna really go deep Welcome loves. So this is episode one of the Oracle podcast and we're talking today about the medicine of the dark feminine. So we're going to speak about a lot of things. We're going to cover quite a lot of ground in today's podcast and I would say one of the fundamental things that I wish to convey in this episode is, you know, aside from defining who and what the dark feminine is, I want to break this myth 
that I believe is really fundamental um, and is holding so many of us women back and has other uh, other effects on the world and its people that are damaging and keeping us separate from something and that is this idea that is all pervasive that the dark is bad that dark equals negative evil sinful and that this belief is actually an overlay of patriarchal christian colonial consciousness that is causing great great damage and it's really something that so many of us especially those of us who come from countries that have been colonized or countries which have colonized then this idea is is often very deeply embedded in our psyche and sometimes it's so deeply embedded that we can't even see the wood for the trees I believe that's the correct phrase. See the wood for the trees? I'm not sure where that comes from, but let me get back to you on that. So who and what is the dark feminine? And I also want to say that something that I see a lot, I'm going to really try and define some terms and get to some roots and some etymologies in this episode. Because what I see out there in the world of kind of new age spiritual discourse is that there seems to be a fundamental misunderstanding of what the dark feminine is. So earlier, before I started to record this, I thought I'm just going to Google dark feminine and see what pops up. Actually, I don't use Google. I use my friend's brilliant uh, search engine called Seva, which feeds people around the world. So that is Seva, S-E-V-A, search.org. Highly recommend that you start to use this instead because you can actually feed people. um, They buy meals for people who are hungry and you don't have to do anything. You just search for things. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, the Saver search engine. So when I was Googling dark feminine, a lot of the top hits are these kind of new age spiritual websites and women teachers who are focusing on this aspect of the dark feminine, which is actually what I would call shadow feminine or wounded feminine or some people would call it toxic feminine but I personally don't like to use that phrase and these are things that are negative associations or negative psychological emotional expressions of women so I think it's important to say that the feminine does not equal women. The feminine, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from the inimicable Maya Luna, who I'll also put in the show notes some links to her work, which is, she is an incredible teacher and has a lot to say on the dark feminine. So I'll put a link to maybe one of her beautiful poems in the show notes. Uh, She describes she calls the the force or the field that she works with the deep feminine current. So the feminine as a current. The feminine is not femininity, right? Femininity is a construct that comes from this same colonial patriarchal Christian consciousness. So femininity is often defined as... Um, the clothes you wear or the affectations you have whereas the feminine is a field an energy a force of nature so she's not a woman however it's more common that these dark feminine or light feminine characteristics are going to be appearing in human beings who've been socialized as women 
And that's just typical. But of course, in all beings, there are masculine and feminine. And that, in fact, these are polarities. These are two poles. So we have the concepts here we can weave in are solar and lunar, yin and yang, masculine and feminine, dark and light, black and white. So a lot of these words have certain connotations attached to them that are not actually their original meaning. But ultimately these words, these concepts are neutral and they describe the two poles, the same as North and South Pole, the yin and the yang. They are the poles, the ends of a spectrum. And we all sit somewhere along that spectrum. And having some kind of healthy integration between the polarities is going to be really important to us as human beings, as, as being whole, healthy people. But what we see is when it comes to the feminine, there is this preference for the light feminine characteristics over the dark feminine characteristics. And this, when we think about it, is just as silly as saying that the sun is better than the moon or that yang is better than yin. When you speak about the concepts of yang and yin, you don't think of yin as sinful, evil, or bad or negative, do you? When you think about the moon, you don't think of the moon as sinful, bad or negative. Although as a little aside to what I just said about the moon, there is this concept that I see people sharing sometimes this idea, it's a new age idea that the moon was replaced a few hundred years ago with a false satellite that is actually sucking the energy of people on earth. Personally, I find it to be absurd and absolutely ridiculous. And to be in a manifestation of this fear, this deep-seated fear of the dark feminine, of the dark. So why would we have this fear of the dark? Why would we have this fear of the dark when the dark is just the opposite of the light, when night is the opposite of day? Two halves of the same coin. And when in fact, most of the universe is dark matter. I can't remember the exact percentage. I think I often hear people saying like 90% of the universe is dark matter. The most fertile soil is the darkest soil. We all come from darkness, from the void, from this space of no thing, where there is pure potentiality which has not yet formed itself into matter, into, and matter, this word comes from the the Latin root, M-A-T-A, mata, the same root as mother, material. And in the Vedas, in the Indian traditions, we have this idea of the, the golden womb, the Hiranagarbha, this golden womb from which we are all birthed into the world. So, you know, this idea of the dark being this life-giving mother, again, going back to the Indian traditions, we have Goddess Kali, who is the divine mother Kali. For Western folks, we often see Goddess Kali, you know, holding a bloody machete and dancing on a on a man with a garland of skulls and we think, you know, this is the personification of evil or something. And she still is often associated wrongly with wrath and rage and vengeance, which is an evil, which is really not. Kali is love. She is time. She is the devouring mother. Um, so there is this Uraburic 
self-devouring element to her because she is the feminine of time. Kala is time. Kali is the feminine of time. And you know, time is going to eat us all. It's not bad. Time is eating me right now as I'm speaking and you as you're listening. And is the, that is the nature of life, that we are all dying. So of course, in this fear of the dark, there is also this fear of, of death, this big fear of death. And this is a real epidemic we have now where we don't understand and honour the rites of passage of, of death, of birth and death and rebirth. And I'm not necessarily speaking about this in a Buddhist sense of reincarnation, but just that when you die and you go back into the earth and you become compost, something will be born from you. Uh, and it's the most natural, healthy, normal thing ever to die. And we've made it into this pathological concept that we fear and we try and avoid. And we do all these ridiculous things to, to try and avoid dying. So these things are all kind of cooked up together, these fears, these projections that the dark is bad. Where does this come from? Oh, and I'm, we also need to bring into this idea of the dark being bad as folks who are having black or brown skin, folks of color, where this association of dark equals bad being projected onto people with black skin, with brown skin, and also colorism. So that's racism, but we also see this as colorism, which is the the um, judgment of folks of the same race who have darker skin. So of course, this happens amongst black and brown people, and it happens among white people. And we have a lot of records and evidence of in England, for example, where I'm from, in the Victorian times, where there was this bizarrely stuffy and proper fashion where women used to, I forget what they used to use to whiten their skin, but it's something like arsenic or something really, really bad for you that probably made them very, very unwell. But whitening the skin, bleaching the skin, to be because that was the fashion of the time to have this porcelain white skin and those who were not of the upper classes who were indoors you know doing their nice lady things inside were outside getting tan getting brown working in the field so it was a a sign of who was of the upper class if you had your white perfect porcelain skin so there's this it happens as colorism and as racism, this association of darker skin with something sinful, negative, bad, or scary. And this, of course, didn't always used to be the way. This is why we have these beautiful dark goddesses. This is why we have Kali's skin that is this really dark, it's often dark blue or dark black. Um, and throughout all of the traditions of the world, we have these dark goddesses who are representing what the dark really meant. And she is, the dark goddess is basically a personification of the dark moon. Because when we go really, really far back in time, most of our ancestors, and I'm speaking about really far back when we were all related, were people who worshipped the goddess. And again, this isn't a woman, this is, this is similar to my description of the feminine. This is a, a feminine deity. And she was represented by the moon. And of course, the moon goes through many different stages every 29 days. And one of them is the dark moon stage, where she is, the moon is invisible for three, sometimes around three days, she can be invisible. 
sometimes a little bit less. And, you know, for our ancient ancestors, they were using the moon to measure time. So they were really noticing, they were looking at the moon and they were understanding these three key phases of the moon. Dark moon, so dark moon means there's no visible moon in the sky. New moon, when we transition from the dark moon into that little slice of moon we get in the in the sky that's often these days people call the dark moon and the new moon the same thing but that's not correct and then we have the full moon and of course we also have the waning and the waxing moon but the full moon the the moon goddess is at her juiciest ripest largest position in the sky and our ancient ancestors associated the moon with the goddess and the goddess with women. So the moon illustrated these three phases that when they are put onto the human woman fit perfectly with the idea of the the tripartite goddess of the maiden, the mother and the crone. And nowadays that people live a lot longer, we have this other phase between the mother and the crone which is often called the maga, so the autumn phase of life. So our ancient ancestors, to them, the dark moon wasn't evil, wasn't sinful. To them, the dark moon was mysterious and fertile and magical and was just a totally neutral, in a good way, part of the cycle of life, the cycle of the human, the cycle of the season. So winter, winter is kind of the death season where nothing is growing. We've just had the harvest and now everything is dying back into the earth, being composted into the soil where it will be rebirthed in springtime. So no one was associating winter with evil. Of course, winter is always a harder month. It still is. It's more challenging, especially if you are in places that are colder and darker in the winter. It's it's a little bit more challenging than the spring and the summer. But it's not evil. It's not evil at all. So we can start to trace this shift in perceiving the dark as this beautiful, life-giving, fertile, you know, neutral, mysterious, magical thing to something more sinister. We can trace this to a specific period in history, and it's often said to be around 4,000, between 4,000 and 2,500 BCE, where we start to see these waves of Indo-European tribes coming from Northern Europe and Central Asia into Western Europe, the Near East and India. And these were light-skinned folks who had weapons. They were horse-riding, weapon-wielding, warring people. And they worshipped a sky god, so a father god, a solar god, and they colonized the goddess-worshipping people of Western Europe, the Near East, and India, and in a very violent way. They raped and slaughtered and killed a lot of these goddess-worshipping people who didn't have the same uh, the same weapons and the same, you know, the same ability to fight. They were living a very different type of life. And we see this with a lot of the archaeological artifacts of these beautiful amulets and, and these clay figurines of these goddesses and big hipped, big ass, big boobs, these beautiful curvaceous clay figurines that are obviously 
worshipping and revering the fertile body of woman as, as the goddess. And so with this new idea, this new God of God coming from above and God being male, this is the beginning of this monotheistic patriarchal religion where we start to see a split between the earth and the heaven. So this is really paving the way for the patriarchal Christianity that would come later. And I say patriarchal Christianity because I want to differentiate between the Christianity that is, you know, Jesus or Yeshua of Nazareth. He is very far removed from the kind of Christianity that we see the Romans creating. And this Roman Christianity is the where a lot of the Christianity that has filtered throughout Europe and the rest of the world, it has that Roman um, authoritative, militaristic flavor. And it's, it's, yeah, it's very rigid and dogmatic and often um, very fear-mongering. So this is where we see this split between heaven and earth, heaven and hell, dark and light, masculine and feminine, solar and lunar occurring. So the dark has gone from being fertile, mysterious, magical, the rest, the pause, the winter, the crone, to being now the antithesis of the solar consciousness, the sky god wisdom, becoming lesser than. And I think it's really interesting to note as a little aside that a lot of new age spiritual teachings have this very Christian flavor within them, but it's as if people are just turning a blind eye to that. There's a lot of ascension talk, a lot of this idea of sublimating energy that the lower energy centers, so everything connected to the pelvis and the lower body uh, is lesser than the upper centers of the head and the crown and the third eye, etc. So, you know, it's something to really be be aware of if you are uh, f entering into these new age spiritual communities or or teachings just to notice that this separation is a continuance of the the war against the earth goddess the mother goddess this is where we get this idea that dark equals bad and then, of course, it develops over the years. And I was listening to a really interesting audiobook recently, which I'll also link in the show notes. It's called The Power of the Dark Feminine by China Galland. And it's an account of her experience as being a Catholic woman and a Buddhist who is um, both studying... Um, or being initiated into the wisdom of, of goddess Tara, and at the same time having this kind of Catholic awakening to the Black Madonna. So if you're not sure who the Black Madonna is, she is the, the Madonna, the mother of Christ, but she's black. She has black skin, dark, dark black skin. And there are hundreds of shrines and images and um, sometimes whole churches devoted to her throughout Europe and around the world. I was lucky enough to visit the Black Madonna of Positano when I was in Italy earlier this year teaching my bloom retreat. And we're going to speak about the Black Madonna in week six of Dark Feminine Medicine because she is absolutely fascinating. And of course, so many of us understand that Yeshua of Nazareth 
was not the lovely white man with a beard that we often see him portrayed as, that he is a Middle Eastern Jew, and he would have definitely had darker skin. He would have been a Middle Eastern man. And it's very uh, refreshing to see these Black Madonnas. And something that's so interesting is how many people associated with the church still claim that all of these black madonnas around the world were once white and have been um have become dark as the result of soot and time and wear which is just when you're beholding them is just absolutely impossible so this this aspect of fear of the dark and and racism you know, is is so apparent. So let's speak a little bit about the dark feminine and why why she is so enticing and why we need her, why we really, really need her right now on the planet. So I want you to sit with the dark feminine for a second and just repeat these words, dark and feminine to yourself a few times and just taste them just feel that vibrational quality of these words and their power and what she evokes and elicits in you as you just experience these words her name something i hear from a lot of women and a lot of people but especially from women and a lot of the women who are joining me for dark feminine medicine this year is that they felt an inexplicable and irrational but profound clear as a bell calling to her and interestingly many people report having this similar almost miraculous experience of the Black Madonna as well. And she's associated with many, many miracles. And I certainly have had a similarly magical uh, calling to the Black Madonna. So just be aware of what you are feeling as we speak about her. So when we speak about the feminine, and the feminine is a very um, <laughs> au fait, a very on-trend topic these days. You're seeing in the field of work that I do, she is almost like a marketing gimmick these days. And what I see time and time again is that when people are speaking about the feminine, they have whitewashed her with the brush, the same colonial, patriarchal, Christian brush that the dark has been whitewashed with. So when they're speaking about the feminine, they're actually speaking about the light feminine. So the light feminine has kind of taken the whole of the spectrum over. If you ask somebody to describe the feminine, I doubt that they're going to bring through a lot of the qualities that we associate with the dark feminine. They're probably going to say maternal and nourishing and generous and fertile. And these are beautiful, beautiful things. And they are very light in quality. Again, we see this idea that the white and light is good and black is dark and bad. And when we do this, what we do is we push the dark feminine out into the shadows, into the, the shadow land into the space where we push anything that feels a little bit edgy or doesn't feel like is safe to fully claim 
And when we do this, we split off parts of ourselves. And as a culture, we have done this with the dark feminine. So the qualities I would say are associated with the dark feminine are not shadow feminine qualities. They are things like mystery and magic and the unconscious, the subconscious, transformation and change, right? They're not shadow feminine qualities like rage and manipulation and jealousy. These are, which are all not bad things. None of those things are bad. They are all beautiful parts of being a whole embodied human being. But the dark feminine is not good or bad. She is just one end of the spectrum, the same way that yin is not bad and yang is not good. They are both neutral. So what happens is when we have pushed the dark feminine into the shadows, as I said earlier, even though the feminine does not mean woman, many of us who've been socialized as women, who describe ourselves as women, are going to feel the closest associations with the feminine. We very likely have, and of course, not always, but very likely will have more feminine qualities or more qualities and associations with the feminine than we will with the masculine. I certainly do. And I know many of you will also. But what happens is when we imagine that the feminine is just the light feminine, we push these parts of ourselves away. And there is this quality to the dark feminine that is devouring and is very strong and very powerful and really goes against a lot of the qualities that are quote-unquote feminine or denote quote-unquote femininity. So they're a little bit harder to digest for our peers. They're a little bit harder to bring in and embody socially. And they are so, so, so needed right now. We have mastered as women the light feminine qualities of being the nurturers and being the givers and being the good mothers and being kind and being beautiful and being etc etc as the world is on fire we desperately desperately need the dark feminine we need her clarity we need her chaos we need her forthrightness we need her formidable qualities to shake us and wake us up and there's another quality of the dark feminine that is she initiates us the dark is where transformation occurs whether it's at night whether it's when you sleep and you dream whether it's you know the dark is where most babies are born The dark is the gestation period where it looks like nothing is happening, but, you know, under the soil in the dark, the seed is germinating. This is the initial stage of growth. Like growth is preceded by silence, darkness and death. They are an ingredient of growth. And we always want to see the growth. We always want to have proof of everything. We always want to look like we are growing and expanding and getting bigger and everything is increasing. And we can make a little comparison here to what happens to many of us women is that we experience burnouts or overwhelm or hormonal imbalances or 
you know, we spread ourselves too thin because we live in this culture that prioritizes the light, the yang, over the dark, the yin. And all beings of all bodies and all genders need rest, of course. But as women, it is in our genetic makeup, in our hormonal makeup, that we have our cycles and we really, really need. It's a non-negotiable. We need to rest. We need to stop. And in this rest, in this death, you know, rest is a symbolic death. This is where really important seeds of growth are occurring. So the dark is absolutely fundamental for the unseen journey of human growth and development and expansion. And this is something that our culture really doesn't understand. But when we look at the myths of antiquity and the fables and the fairy tales, we often see this idea of the hero or heroine going on a journey into the dark, maybe into the dark woods, maybe into the underworld. So the first goddess we work with in dark feminine medicine is goddess Inanna. And goddess Inanna famously went on a journey of descent. She descended. And something that's very interesting about Inanna is that she was the queen. She was the having a great life as the the story goes, as the poem goes. You know, she was on the surface on earth, being a queen, having everything she wanted beautiful things, beautiful home, being, you know, worshipped and important. And as the poem says, she turned her ear to the great below. So she chose to start listening to the underworld. And she ends up going to the underworld to visit her sister Ereshkigal and The poem tells us that she, at each of the seven gates of the underworld, she has to take something off. They're known as the seven me, and me in this context refers to her sacred items. So she has to take off, for example, her armor or a beautiful item of clothing or jewelry or staff. And there are seven of these sacred me And at each gate, she takes one off. She takes one off. She takes one off until she is at the entrance to the underworld naked. And this is a beautiful metaphor. And I highly recommend that you read the poem. There is a great translation that we use in Dark Feminine Medicine, which... I'm going to abbreviate to DFM for the rest of the podcast. And I'm going to post that in the show notes so you can read it. But it's a beautiful metaphor for somebody who is understanding that the magic is in the dark. And in order to experience what she desires to experience, it's not going to happen in the space of light and comfort and luxury. In this instance, it's going to involve her descending into the dark, i.e. the unconscious, subconscious, the underworld, and stripping herself of her comforts and her luxuries until she is naked on her knees in front of the mystery. So this is a crucial aspect of the dark that we modern people who are very often fixated on the yang or a lot more comfortable with the yang neglect. So the dark is where we grow. The unknown is where we grow. The unknown is where we transform.
Hi there loves, I wanted to take a moment to invite you to join me at the winter solstice for dark feminine medicine. This is a seven week online course, actually it's more than a course, it's an underworld journey and the course is structured in a way that every week for our seven weeks, so we go from the solstice December 21st up to the first week of February. So through the depths of the darkest months, the winter months for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, each week we work with a dark goddess. And every one of these seven dark goddesses has a sacred feminine initiation that she is going to guide us through. So we start with goddess Anana. We then work with the Egyptian lion goddess Sekhmet. And we move on to the Welsh goddess Keridwen, the witch goddess. And then to Lilith. Then to Hecate. Then to the Black Madonna. And we finish with goddess Kali. So these goddesses, they come from major civilizations around the world. So we're really kind of tasting the different traditions of the world. We are working very closely with these goddesses. So you're going to learn about the goddess and you're going to learn about her specific very unique power and lessons she has to teach us and to be guided through the energy and medicine of her distinct initiatory power. So these initiations are going to be things that are related to the work I do with women around sacred sexuality and embodiment and the menstrual cycle and goddess wisdom and the women's mysteries. It works so that we have a lot of contact with each other. We have live calls each week and each week you'll also receive a pre-recorded practice that is going to take you into a deeper embodiment of the goddess's lesson. There's lots of space for us to connect and share with each other. And this is one of the main joys of the course where we really get to learn together and to reflect our ideas and our medicine onto each other. So if you're really wanting to move from 2021 into 2022 with a lot of intention and a lot of awareness, this course is a very powerful guide. We're also going to be learning how to bring more of the power of the dark feminine into our lives. So if you are somebody who is right now in this kind of chrysalis stage of claiming more of your power and taking up more space and learning how to bring your gifts into the world. This may be a very powerful journey for you. If you want to read more about it or to sign up, head over to my website moon-body.com and you'll find Dark Feminine Medicine and all the information about the course right there. So if you're a woman who is finding it hard to speak your truth, to take up space in the world, to claim her power, to claim her authentic sexual expression, and, you know, if any of those things are true, can very often also be that you are having difficulties with your health, with your hormones, with your cycle, with your relationship, because there will be parts of yourself that you are not fully allowing to, to bring in to the world. And whenever we do that, whenever there are parts of our soul that we don't feel fully comfortable to, to show up with, it will affect our health and often can manifest as issues with our periods or other challenges around fertility or the body or sex. If you are experiencing challenges in any of these areas, the dark feminine is an incredible ally. 
because she isn't here to kind of soothe everybody and nourish everybody and play nice and you know to be the loving mother she's here to there is love there but like goddess Kali it's not in this fluffy light feminine way it's in this fiercer expression so if codependency is a problem for example or the good girl is running the show the dark feminine is really really powerful medicine she teaches you to speak your truth to take up your space to claim your power to be able to show the world who you are without having to always cushion the, the rawness of that expression in a way that makes it feel more socially acceptable. She is not politically correct. She is not concerned about being seen in a socially acceptable way. She doesn't care about that at all. She is raw and wild. So there are beautiful overlaps between the wild woman archetype and the witch archetype and the priestess. These are women who are not here to be conventional or to play by the rules. They're women who understand that there is an electricity and a healing nectar to what is real and alive and pulsating in the dark. There we go, the first episode of the Oracle podcast. Medicine of the Dark Feminine is complete. I'm really interested to know what you thought about this episode and whether the objective that I named at the beginning to disrupt this misunderstanding of the dark as being something sinful or evil was achieved. I really want to know. If you want to tell me, you are so welcome to come and find me on Instagram at moon-body and yeah let me know what you took away from this episode and if you want to see more of my work go to my website moon-body.com and you'll find there many ways to work with me from mentorship retreats trainings live courses self-study courses you name it it's there and if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe and share it with any sisters in your community who you think would enjoy it too. I'm sending you all of my blessings, love. Thanks for being here with me.